Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How's it going? I want to, uh, to, to put this out there because I think you should know our book, Waiting for the Punch, comes out in paperback next week. You can go to markmarinbook.com or click on the book link at wtfpod.com to pre-order a copy or just get it when it comes out next Tuesday, October 16th, Waiting for the Punch in paperback. You've been waiting for Waiting for the Punch in paperback, so the waiting is over. See, that's what I should have done. That's that should have been the whole thing. There's no more waiting for waiting for the punch. You just have to wait until next Tuesday, October 16th, if you don't want to pre-order it. A lot of ways I could have handled that, but I uh, I chose the straight read, as they say in the in the business, in the business of broadcasting. So what's happening? What have I got to tell you? The um, today on the show, Kurt Vile is here. He's got a new record coming out. I like Kurt Vile. Had an opportunity to talk to him. We have common friends. His new album, Bottle In, comes out this Friday, October 12th. Get it wherever you get music. Kurt Vile puts out a lot of records, and he's uh, he's got a unique thing going. He always sounds like him. The production sounds like him. The music sounds like him. His voice sounds like him. He sounds like him. That's, uh, that's not nothing. You don't want to listen to something and go, like, this sounds like another guy. Hey, this sounds kind of like, hey, I can hear that other guy in this guy's music. Nope. Kurt Vile sounds like Kurt Vile. And uh, he's a Philly guy. He's a he's like a Philly guy, but he's a he would what would you call it? He's um not a hard-edged Philly guy. He's the other end of the spectrum. There's a lot of there's a lot of type of Philly dudes, and uh Kurt is a the he's of the mellow breed of Philly, which is a rare breed in Philly. And I'm not saying anything negative about Philly. I don't know how many Philly meatheads really listen to this show, but Maybe the softer meatheads, maybe the, the maybe the turkey meatheads, perhaps. I don't know, but uh, Philly is its own animal. It's its own place. It's its own time zone. It's its own planet, man. But uh, Kurt comes from there, and you can hear it a little bit. Uh, but we had a nice talk. I was glad he came by. Speaking of Kurt Vile, why don't I just talk about music for a few minutes? Let's uh, let's just focus in. On uh, maybe what I've been listening to. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? Anything exciting? I just got a copy. Mark Arm from Mud Honey sent me a copy of the new Mud Honey record. I believe it's called Digital Garbage. Now, Mud Honey's got a lot of records out. There was a period in time where they were putting out a record every five minutes. 
and they're always good. They're always raw. They're always Stooges-y, Stooges-ish, but uh, uniquely mud honey. Nice kind of you know raunchy guitars. Mark scream singing. Yeah, and he uh, he sent me one, and I haven't heard of a Mud Honey record, and I, I feels like years. And I gotta tell you, it's a good record. I've only listened to side one, and I'm like, this is a fucking Mud Honey record, top notch Mud Honey right here. So I've been listening to that. I listened to Curve Vile's new record. I've been listening to uh, going back and listening to some Wilco because I you know I had to do some research. Enough said. Enough said. I'm not saying anything else. Had to kind of rejigger the the Wilco knob in my brain. Had to open that portal back up and play that out. Been listening to some Albert Eiler in the jazz zone. That new John Coltrane record that was never issued. That that double album, man, that fucking thing is sweet. What else I've been doing? I went to see the MC5, the current lineup of the MC5. As you might know, uh, not many are left. I think Wayne Kramer, the guitar player who I've had on the show here, he's left. Uh, there's a drummer left, but he's not playing with them uh, regularly. But Wayne has pulled together the band. I don't know. I, I saw a benefit here at the Ford Theater. Wayne asked me to come. And I got to say, it was a pretty fucking amazing show. Now, I got there. There was three bands. I got there in the middle of the first band. I don't even know who it was, sadly. But the second band, holy shit, it's a band called Starcrawler, and it, le- it left a lasting impression on me. I'm not sure if it's the right one. I don't know, man. It's heavy, but it's sort of like, uh, it's kind of punky, but kind of hard rocky. The, there's, it's a trio behind a lead singer. And this woman, Arrow DeWild, man. It was raw shit, man. She just jerking around up there, jumping around, falling down. Looked like she was hurting herself. And uh, it had an effect. I mean, I'm going to go out and buy the records. I don't know if that was the way it was supposed to happen, but uh, it was something to watch, man. It was, it was, um, it was, it, you know, she, it was confrontational. It was good, man. It was good. And it was, uh, it made a lasting impression on me. That I will tell you, the band Starcrawler. But then the MC5. So the current lineup um, is pretty amazing. All right. So Wayne Kramer, who has been on the show, he got in touch. He texted me. He said I should come. So I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to come. I've never been to the Ford Theater. It's this sweet little amphitheater that's tucked away across the way from the Hollywood Bowl somewhere off Cahuenga there. And only seats about 1,200. It's like a miniature Red Rocks. It's this fucking sweet venue. I don't know why I've never been there. But why? Because I hardly ever go out to see live music. So the M- MC5 at this point is Wayne, the original guitar player of the MC5, Kim Thile from Soundgarden, uh, Brendan Canty on drums from Fugazi, uh, Doug Pinnock on bass, and I guess they, I don't know the band King's X, but that's who he's from. And this guy singing, Marcus Durant, from a band called Zen Gorilla, looked so much and sounded so much like Rob Tyner, the original guy. I mean, I don't know that they sounded a lot alike, but there's something about the way that uh, that Marcus Durant sort of held himself up there that reminded me of footage I had seen of Rob Tyner. Now, obviously, Sonic Smith, Sonic Fred Smith has passed away. So Thile is kind of filling that second guitar zone. But I let's, let me tell you who else was there because it was pretty exciting. Matt Cameron from Soundgarden was the second drummer on the show I saw. And Greg Dooley came out 
from Afghan Wigs and sang a tune, I think just one, and Duff from Guns N' Roses came out and played guitar on a couple. But the thing that amazed me most about seeing the MC5 at this point, because a lot of times you go to stuff like that where there's not many of the original members of the band because they're old uh, or some of them are dead or they don't, they're not together anymore. Um, you know, there or you just think that it's not going to be good or it's going to be disappointing or it's going to be a little sad. But I got to be honest with you, it's it's not like going to see Journey with the new guy. You know, it's not it's not like going to see some band from the 70s or 80s with a few hits that you remember. I mean, the MC5 was this fucking seminal sound. It was this Detroit sound that was an amalgamation. It was a part of that Detroit momentum. And it was a defining sound of the of like the Stooges of punk rock. It was just those few MC5 records. Nothing sounds like that. And it wasn't hits. It wasn't about the hits. It was about the time. It was about the insanity. It was about the chaos. Uh, it was about that 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 sort of rendition, mid to late '60s, I guess it was, of that Detroit breakdown, man. And you know, how are you going to capture that? You know, because Kim Thiel, you know, is a, a fairly compressed player. Like you know, he's got a very specific tone. He's a great player, uh, and he's holding up that end. But I happen to be sitting right up front, and I'm right in front of fucking Wayne. I'd moved down. My seats were way back. I went over there with my buddy Adam. So I was like almost inside the mixer. Like I I was in, I couldn't, I was hearing what was coming out of the monitors and the amps more than I was hearing what was being, you know, broadcast or put out there through the PA. So I'm hearing Wayne. And I guess my point is, is that when those songs, if you honor those songs and the spirit of those songs and the heart of those songs, that, that MC5 stuff, I mean, it, it's it was electrifying man and I, I think that part of it was because the original guitar guy was playing it i mean wayne was playing it and he's specifically wayne it's amazing how tone just stays with somebody and it's not about boxes it's not about pedals it's not about amps it's about wayne's fingers and wayne's voice so I, everybody was sort of following wayne and the and all those songs all the fucking songs the mc5 songs that is what they played sounded great and it rocked. There was no point where you're like, well, this is a little sad. This is a little weird. Or it's too bad that the rest of them aren't here. It was just right on the fucking money. And they even did some loopy ass, hardcore hippie art, you know, jazz experimental jamming. And uh, and that was even okay. Didn't go on too long. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like seeing a dead show and it was space and it was time to take a bathroom break. Then a few horns came out at some point. I don't know. I, I guess what I was sort of impressed with was just that uh, Kramer's spirit, you know, and he does a lot of great stuff for uh, Jail Guitar Doors. It's his um, foundation for, you know, getting musical instruments into the prison system. And I think some of the horn players were ex-cons. And there was a, a guy who was uh, who, who came and said a few words before the show who was uh, out of prison. Uh, it's very helpful. but But there's something about Wayne's spirit that still comes through that guitar i mean wayne's in his 60s man and he's uh, and i'm using the word man a lot because i guess i'm talking about the mc5 man but you know he's doing if you've seen old footage of the mc5 him swinging that guitar up and jumping around it's like you know little old wayne kramer is still swinging that guitar up and playing it straight up and like he's all in and it was uh and it, it was electrifying and i'm not saying this is some weird baby boomer guy who remembers the mc5 i'm i'm 55 i you know i was i was not conscious 
I didn't come to the MC5 till the last decade or so. And uh, I just got to say, maybe it's the infusion of all that other amazing um, talent on stage, amazing musicians who, who were there to honor that music, but it's very specific. I had a great time. Wasn't too long. Nothing dragged on. You know, it was uh, tight. They went from one song to the other. No dicking around. And uh, at the end, you're like, fuck yeah, no encores. Got to respect no encore on some level. I did. I don't know if they ran out of time or if it's an actual intention, but I was like, no, that was the show. That was the show. Why fuck with us? Why hold out a couple just because it's the form that's the acceptable way to play a concert? They're done. They're done. Lights up. Kurt Vile is here, and he's a younger man, younger man than I, and I like talking to these, uh, these youngsters about their music, these kids about their musical stylings. But uh, he's a friend of my friend Tom Sharpwings. Oh, shit. Wait a minute. Before I forget, I want to bring this up again. I am going to be hosting an event called Across the Great Divide. It's a benefit concert for the Americana Music Association and the Blues Foundation. It's going to be John Prine, Bob Weir, Lucinda Williams, Leanne Womack, Doyle Bramhall II, Shamika Copeland, Larkin Poe, Joe Lewis Walker, Tash Neal, and I think just announced the special guest Slash is going to be there. And if my picking finger is good, Jimmy Vivino is the uh, musical director. Maybe I will play a song. Is that is that is that um, precocious of me to uh, to even think that I may play a tune with the band on a night like that? Hey, man, blues is simple. Blues is simple. It's about the feel. It's about the tone. Man, Wayne Kramer shot that MC5 tone right through that Stratocaster into my brain the other night. But I'm bringing up, I'm br- I'm supposed to be setting up Kurt Vile here. But this is all music related, and I don't know why I'm talking like a early 70s jacked up jock. And I mean DJ when I say that. So let's, let's talk about Kurt Vile. He has many records out, and I started getting them a few years ago. And I, the, like I said earlier... You, you drop that needle in the groove and, and it's clearly Kurt Vile and that's a beautiful thing. His new record, Bottle In, comes out this Friday, October 12th. And this is me talking to Philly's own Kurt Vile. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. So wait, so your wife is um, full on... uh, She goes to school to be an... Or takes classes to be an Ayurvedic consultant. Oh, really? Yes, really. So that's her trip? 
to be. Well, she's she's. I mean, she's a she's smart. She, yeah. She uh, she was pre med. You know, mm-hmm. she went went to Dartmouth and then she just changed it all. Down. Then she's taught. She's like fuck Western medicine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going going the other way. Well, yeah, obviously it's not. You don't. Sometimes you really do need it. But, of course. But uh, but yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. like anything else. It's like see those commercials. Which ones? I don't know, a- advertising any medicine <laughs> sure. under the sun. And, like, and the side effects yeah. are just relentless. Yeah. You're like, why would I take that? It sounds like <laughs> that I'm going to have a whole new set of problems. Maybe. Probably. Definitely. Maybe. I don't know. You know, like, it's weird. I got it. Like, I take a blood um, a cholesterol medicine. And um, I don't know. You know, it's, our, it's weird that it's our natural aversion to be like, oh, fuck that. Fuck medicine. No one wants to be sick, you know? Yeah, But no. if, if sometimes you're sort of like, well, I guess I got to take it. But there are side effects, but I haven't gotten any yet. Who knows? How long is life really, Kurt? I don't know. How old are you? <laughs> 54. I'm right behind you. Yeah? Yeah. It's sort of like, well, what if down the line there are side effects? I'm like, well, I'll risk it. Yeah. I, I was more talking about those blatantly. Which ones? Yeah. I don't know. That's any late night commercial. Sure. Where these new medicines all the time. It's like, that is not. The jellyfish one. Uh, you remember the one that's like. If you a... get to with that side of thoughts, like. Oh, yeah, Contact those. blah. If your stomach expands, yeah. fills with a uh, blue, you know, <laughs> yeah, blueberry like <laughs> like like uh, like Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you turn into a giant blueberry, yeah, <laughs> stop taking immediately. Yeah, <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> like I keep the one I can't get out of my head, but I can't remember what medicine is. Is the ones like from from a, a thing found in jellyfish? It's from the brain for the memory, <laughs> and I th- I, th- I th- always think that's such a weird angle. Like why? with jellyfish it's found in jellyfish why would that be appealing but it is sort of isn't it that must be deep shit if it's in jellyfish yeah so do you live out here or you don't no i live in philly i'm from philly and i live there still oh really someone told me you, you had a place out here you don't huh i i come out a lot but i don't have a place no there. nope philadelphia yeah i like philly yeah i do like i i don't know it as well as i should but like the times i've gone and hung out there and the people i know from there they're good people they got an edge to them yeah you know <laughs> definitely you, yeah you know but you don't strike me as like the philly kind of fuck you philly guy Oh, but i can be <laughs> yeah it's I, in I you i can't oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you you keep that under wraps? No, you're hiding. <laughs> no, I just, knew we just we literally just met. Yeah, you're, on the, you're not going to do it right I was away. On, I was on the phone when you came. Yeah, out, out and I was like, this is not the way. I, I was actually real excited to to meet you. you know? Yeah, and uh, and then <laughs> I thought you were making a good joke. You're like, yeah. what's in that one? No, it was the last <laughs> the guitar. <laughs> It's like shaped like a guitar. <laughs> you, like, what's in that one? <laughs> you said a guitar. I was like, <laughs> I was actually being more sort of like, you know, I'm trying to impress you. I'm like, like what guitar is in there? What's in that yeah, one? Like, is that a J45? <laughs> a guitar. Is that a? That's a double, some kind of double O Martin. Yeah. You folk like that one? Festival anniversary edition. Where'd you get Philadelphia that? Philadelphia Folk Festival anniversary edition. Really? From Vintage Instruments in Philly. So you grew up in Philly? Like, yeah. like in I grew city? up uh, in Lansdowne, which is like the suburb directly outside of West Philly. Yeah, that's, and you you can't leave the place. You love the place. I do. In fact, not even not only that, but I we we moved in two thousand three. Yeah, we moved to Northern Liberties, and everybody's in like Fishtown. First, it was Northern Liberties, and then they moved up to Fishtown. But who's I, everybody? Uh, well, okay, everybody in my relatively small. Circle? Circle of, like, music slash artist community that I... Oh, yeah? They moved up to where? Uh, Fishtown and stuff. But anyway, I, I've moved since then, but I still have my little house in Northern Liberties, uh, and I go in there and work, and now I'm, I live out in 
Mount Airy. Mount Airy? Yeah. Where's that? It's like Germantown. Yeah. It's a Germantown. Then there's Mount Airy. Then there's yeah. Chestnut Hill. And I'm on West in West Mount Airy. There's like woods out there. There's a, you know, uh, parking is pretty bad in Northern Liberty. So yeah. I, I have a driveway. I live oh, kind of next to, the, I live next to the woods. That's nice. Yeah. I got kids. So, you know, we got to park, be able to park. And How many kids? Two. Yeah. How old are they? They are eight and uh, five going on six. So you're kind of, that's nice. And you've been married a long time? Yeah. And it's just like locked in. You're kind of a family guy. Yep. Just like the the TV show. (laughs) Yeah. Just like the cartoon. (laughs) I hope that, not exactly like that. No. (laughs) I was, I meant meant to tell you, I'm I'm one of my best buddies that I admired is your friend, uh, Tom Sharpling. I was just going to bring him up. Oh, did you know? Okay. Well, no, I see he likes you too. Like you guys are, are pals. Yeah. I mean, we're past that. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, he's great. He's so funny. He's going to be in town this week. Yeah, we're always, we're missing each other like that. It'd be fun to see him out here. Him and I did see one of his other buddies recently on on the stage. Who's uh, that? Andy Kindler. Andy. Yeah, yeah. I just did. I just saw him on stage too. I I got a lot of like. Yeah, that's why I love the Tom thing. I I admire him. He's my buddy, and like it's like the ultimate platform. Not unlike this, but yeah. I kn- but I know him well. Yeah. So you can just be as stupid <laughs> as yeah. possible and just keep talking yeah. and to have a friend to give you that. Yeah. And he, and he just bullshits right back. Oh yeah. Um. He's so fucking funny, man. Yeah. And How, how'd you meet him? I met him. I'm well. I heard him first on those the Gorsh. You know, like all his old yeah, his yeah. calls with yeah, yeah, John Worcester. Yeah. And then I, my band Kurt Vile and the Violators. We opened, like, my first Matador, my album came out on Matador, Childish Prodigy, in 2009, and then I was offered to open for Big Star at, like, yeah. the Masonic Temple, and, uh, and it ended up being Big Star's last show ever, which is crazy. Wow, but, like, Big Star, like, original lineup, Big yeah, Star? Yeah, 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 and then, like, a year later, he, he, he died. He died. But anyway, Tom was there, Yeah. and somebody pointed out that Tom was there, so me and my bandmate, Adam, yeah. he was my, at the time, he was in, in How my How do you band. say his last name? Adams? Oh, uh, well, Granducial is his, like, stage Grand-Duciel. name. Granducial, yeah. That's his stage name? I, I mean, okay, the, well, I don't mean to say it's his stage name. He uses that, but it's it's not... His real name? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, me and him, we got obsessed with all his calls, and... Yeah. <laughs> he, You know, he's like, we would just impersonate the hell out of it, and I was chasing him around, we were drunk, and he was like... Looking at us back, you know, walking away. What do you he was want like, he was like thank me. you. I'm very flattered. Thank you. He's just impersonating everything. But he, he thought for sure we were making fun of him. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's kind of what, that's good. Just kind of what, what I like to do is just, yeah. just impersonate. Not, not like, here is my impersonation. Like just, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But the, just a natural mimic. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so then you guys become <clears throat> friends after that? Definitely. Yeah. Um, and you do a show. You used to do a show. I've been on a show multiple times. I can't wait to go back. He directed my KV Crimes video a couple albums ago. Uh-huh. Um, Which album? Uh, Waking on a Pretty Day. That's a good record. Thanks. Yeah, I, I listened to, like, I went all the way back today. Like, I have the, I think I have the last three albums or four albums, and I listened to, I went and listened to Constant Hitmaker. So let's, like, let's go back to, so when did you start with the music? Where'd you, you grew up in this, in, in, outside of Philly, and you come from a musical family? Yeah, we we are a musical family. A lot of a lot of people play. Um, how many How many people in the family? Actually, I'm one of ten children, so I have nine siblings. Do you know them all? Yeah, 
<laughs> oh yeah, because they're all from the same. They're all from the same parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's in that one? <laughs> but uh, but like that. Where do you come in in the? I'm lineup? the oldest son. Uh huh. Uh, I have two older sisters, but it's an even split. It's five boys and five girls. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a lot of kids, man. I know. Was that like is that a Catholic thing or? Uh, we were we they're they're like uh not Catholic, but they yeah. are like religious, you know. Yeah, like what what like, strand? Like some kind of Christian strand, I guess. Oh yeah. I mean, I know. I don't know. I think it, they don't have like a yeah, no. But was it like, uh, are you uh, off the grid people? Are you living in a farmhouse? I mean, what? No, we lived in Lansdowne. <laughs> we lived in a twin house. You know, we had all the uh, all the boys in one room, two bunk beds. Yeah. And, yeah. and the girls in the other room and you just... That, yeah, that we was, was, it was uh, I mean, it was, it was tight. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of uh, fights and uh, <laughs> like we're all, we, nobody, you know, yeah. no hard feelings. And right. in fact, the one... The one that I didn't get along with the most, I'm probably I see him the most now. Oh know? yeah, younger brother. Yeah, my brother Paul. I haven't seen him lately, but he's you know, he's a he's a character. Yeah, a yeah. Philly character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a specific thing. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's like a specific thing that happens in Philly and in Jersey. It's a certain type of dude. <laughs> <laughs> that only happens in those two places. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just so glad because all these people now, yeah, uh, you know, fleeing New York, yeah, defeated. I never had to go there to begin with, but I could still benefit from its resources. <laughs> you Are know, you, I go yeah. up to New York and get the hell out of there. Now I have two houses. <laughs> yeah, you did all right. <laughs> you did all right. Yeah, it's going good. So, how many people in the family played? Like, what was the instruments? Um. You know, just mainly guitar, little, yeah. little piano, mainly guitars. Yeah, banjos, actually banjos. Oh, banjos, guitars. Yeah. Like, were you was your dad or mom musical people? Uh, they're both like musical. They, my dad plays a violin a little. He picked it up later in life, but they're very encouraging and they're they're musical. It's like in their blood. Yeah, they're obsessive. Like my dad's obsessed with bluegrass. Oh, really? So that's where the banjo thing comes from. He was Blue, hoping you bluegrass did. in old time. Yeah, he was definitely hoping. Uh, you I would lock uh, in. Yeah, <laughs> be a bluegrass player. I guess, but he does. Yeah, his favorite song of mine is "I'm an Outlaw," which is on the last my previous album. Well, the one that's out at the moment. Yeah, uh, he likes that one. Yeah, because it's the band. Because it's got the banjo. You got know? country tinge to it. I get. He just likes it the, the, that it's the banjo. You know, he like he. I, I wanted a guitar. Yeah, maybe when I was. 13 and they were going to get they're going to surprise me for one with one for like my birthday or christmas or but then i was being particularly bad that year or so they said so but then they not only that they were like we were going to surprise you with a guitar but you've been so bad you're not getting it <laughs> so anyway <laughs> yeah the next year he's like oh, how about banjo and then at first i was like i don't know banjo yeah and then i had a cousin who played music and he encouraged me he's like oh that's pretty unique and yeah. i was like all right and then, but really, what really sold me is my dad drove SEPTA trains. You know SEPTA? Yeah. Are you are you from, where are you from? Are you East Coast? I, my, I'm originally from Jersey, but I grew up in New Mexico. So he drove, I don't okay, know. Okay, whatever. Yeah. He just had one of his conductor friends who he was going to buy the banjo off of play it over the phone, the telephone, you know, yeah. not the cell phone. And it sounded so cool going through that phone. He's like, oh, all yeah. right, here's a little, 
He, he held it up to, so you could hear yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, here, uh, how's it going? I'm going to play this song. Uh, I just played some kind of, I wish I remember the song, maybe Crimple Creek or something. Uh-huh. Who knows? It could yeah. be anything. Foggy Mountain Breakdown. It's something, one of yeah. those like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Foggy Mountain yeah. Great song. Yeah, great. Yeah. So he plays it over the phone and that sounded appealing. Yeah, and so then I got you know, I got it for my fourteenth birthday. Five stringer? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's tuned to an open what? Open G, uh, usually. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Did you take to it? Yeah, I took to it. I well, it, well that wasn't even my first instrument. Like I uh, in elementary school I played the trumpet in school, so I Oh yeah. I could always pick up the instruments pretty quick. Yeah. Trumpet's a good one. Yeah, I wanna I, I pick it up nostalgically sometimes and just blow a few notes in it, but I'm I'm definitely not like fluent in it. And plus, you know, with the trumpet you gotta have the embouchure. What's that? It's like that word. It, yeah. it has to do with the the way you I don't even know for sure. The, but I know it from like the Miles Davis book, but oh. everybody uses that word with trumpet. You're like, Oh, you gotta get your embouchure back. Oh, like the 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 stream of air into it. Maybe kind of? that, or just the I don't even know. I'm, yeah, uh, is it like the way you put your mouth into it? I actually don't really know. Yeah, but <laughs> but you might as well throw the word around. Why not? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, usually usually people know what it means, and, and they don't ask me what it means. I'm sorry, I'm like, I called you on it. I apologize. I'm yeah. just curious. Now I'm gonna have to look it up later. I hope you get it back, whatever it is. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Once I look it up. So, the, so banjo is a pretty hard instrument to integrate into rock and roll. Ah, uh, well, I guess, but I would say that you only did it on that one song. No, no, I've played it a bunch. I I do play it. Even my my wife, she likes when I get into the banjo again because it's got that ethereal thing. It's like got the high drone string. So when you finger pick, you only you don't even have to hardly use any fingers. Yeah. I mean, on the on the fret hand, yeah, and you just play these uh, cyclical. Oh uh, yeah, it's got kind nice, of uh, finger picking, almost like a sitar, ethereal thing. Yeah, yeah, that it just puts you in the zone. Yeah, yeah. So, and then also starting with the banjo, I didn't, I did take lessons, and I would have otherwise gotten a guitar, and they would have taught me like standard tuning, mm-hmm. play these bar chords, sure. and, and because I started like with the open tuning, yeah. It kind of like in the world that I grew up in, all of a sudden, you know, like sort of indie rock type of bands and Sonic Youth or whoever, they're they're using like op- various tunings. And yeah. once I, that was nothing new to me because, you know, banjo around guy. With banjo. Yeah. Know, banjo guy. Yeah. <laughs> Not surprising me with that open tuning. <laughs> I'm a banjo guy. Yeah. Well, I, I it's weird because I have this weird thing with the uh, gallows pole. You know the Led Zeppelin song, because uh-huh. there's a banjo in there, and like I've I I've often thought that it would be better without it. Well, that's the dude. Yeah, <laughs> when you when you add a banjo but play it in a rock setting, but still play like like everybody's yeah. like that's corny. All right, so you're playing banjo, and you're do you like hang out? Do you like I played guitar with my brother? Do you have brothers playing guitar? Did you guys do family stuff? Did you jam together? Ah, uh, we jammed a little. Um, but then I would just jam with fr- my friends. When was the first band? Pretty soon after uh, 15, 16. Yeah. I can't, somewhere maybe closer to 16. Yeah. But I, 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 I had a friend that, I mean, I, basically a year later, somebody gave me, a, a neighbor across the street gave me a guitar because they yeah. always heard me playing the banjos. So. And they were like, enough already. No, they, <laughs> they just, <laughs> they probably thought it was a guitar. They're like, oh, I see you like guitar. Here's a, a, 
here's another guitar. Really? No, not you, they, you, they must have known. You but, lived next door to leprechauns? But they were, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Here's your guitar. No, no, no actually, like, they were very nice. They were nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, I, they were just supportive, you know. Yeah, it's nice. Because we were always on the, like the porch playing, the, <laughs> but like, not even an open porch. You know? <laughs> one of one of nine kids out there. So I get. I guess at some point there was a kid somewhere outside all the time. Yeah, there's two of them. I'm still nostalgic. I think about that because uh, hmm. I never. All you could really do is play in your driveway or just all across everybody else's front lawns, or right? Back. Or in the street. And, yeah, which that doesn't fly today. You know? Yeah. But I am nostalgic about driveways. I still don't have the right driveway in my house. Do you have a good driveway? You don't like your driveway? It, no. What's the matter with it? It just goes, it's like goes downhill. It's not the right, you can't run up and down, ride your bike. Oh. I can't ride my, I can't ride my tricycle on it. <laughs> can't ride your kid's bike. I can't around. ride my, my big wheel on it. Or <laughs> my, um, driveway? Or my, uh. Too big of a, an angle? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry, man. It's all right. <laughs> Is there any way to make it a driveway that you like? No. Oh. It's all right. That was so random. I don't. I'm just. That's kind of how I talk sometimes. No, there's no problem. Yeah. I mean, I know the feeling. I I had to replace a driveway in my old house. This oh. driveway's all fucked up. But this would be a good driveway if I put cement on it. Does but it I, go straight back? It goes straight right out from the front to the street. Yeah, I like. I love that. Yeah. Did, did your driveway have a basketball hoop on it on the garage? No, but neighbors did. Oh, so you just go across the street. I so, had, but I had a next door neighbor, and we would. He was my age. And yeah. We just ride. He, well, he had like a one of those. Um, what's the show? What's the show with Waylon yeah. Jennings song? The Dukes of Hazard. Oh, he Dukes had the of Dukes ha- of Hazard bike. Oh, really? Like was the it? car. Yeah. And I just had a regular big wheel, but we go back and forth all day. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. Yeah. The stuff you did at first was all sort of self-generated, right? A lot of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Are you talking about my the first CD? Yeah. Okay. Well, by the time that first CD came out. I, I I don't know. Let's see. Those are mostly my home recordings. The very first song, Freeway, was yeah. recorded by Brian McTeer, this guy in Philly. That was like my first studio recording, I guess. Yeah. But when I was like 20 to 21, like 21 to 23, yeah. I, I lived for two years basically in Boston. And, I, and out there I got like this, I got one of those Roland Digital 8 tracks and... um. Was bu- I was working this crappy job, so I could. Where? It was like an air freight company, Eagle Air, air Freight, driving yeah. a forklift. It was like a really Eagle Air Freight. Wait, how'd you end up in Boston? Because um, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, she she uh, was like getting her master's. Oh. Anyway, so so driving a forklift. Yeah, it was brutal. With dreams, the worst. Oh yeah, and they 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 preyed on me instantly, like the lifers. Like, oh yeah, you ever see like you saw the Departed or something? Yeah, you know that sure. accent. But they're just like, "Yo, Flamer, Flamer." <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> he calls you like a flaming. Uh, yeah, yeah, you fucking Flamer. What Ooh, the bro- fuck? all the time? Like yeah. he's like, what's the name of your record uh, label? Bonehead Records, you know, like, and I'm like 20, like in a like literal blue suit. Oh my anyway, god! I didn't even mean to be- go back so far, but I, in that time, I was alone a lot, or you know, with my with my thing, and I, yeah. I was I buying a lot of gear, and so I was doing the home recording thing. But then by the time 2008, that's when Constant Hitmaker came out, and that's when I had like a collection of of uh to choose from of all my best home recordings. And that's so what that, that is. Oh, that, oh, so, that's, so it is sort of like a oh, wow. greatest so, hits of stuff that 
So no. that's what constant hit makers. Yeah, is. It, it goes from 2003 to 2008. So uh, okay, so like just before that, then like so like when you're in Philly and you put the when do you meet Adam and start like doing that stuff? I met Adam in 2003 when I moved, moved back to I moved back to Philly from Boston. Oh, moved, so that was and I moved into Northern Liberties. Oh yeah, yeah, and and yeah, we were buddies and we played together. We definitely played together kind of right away, but yeah. it didn't get serious. Or we had a next wave of getting serious, and uh, I'd say from 2005 yeah. to 2008, that's when all, you know, we he would play with me a ton in, in my band. Yeah. Or, or, like, at first it was just me and him, kind of like a duo, and then I would play in the War on Drugs with him. And then eventually, like, the Violators evolved out of that, and so did the War on Drugs. Uh, so those are two different directions, but it was the same, uh, a few of the same crew? Well, I would say, yeah, that, that whole thing... I mean, the Violators was definitely like there were set members in the band, yeah. Um, like four members, that yeah. all have pivotal roles. That's kind of always the way the Violators were, and and definitely, and me and Adam. But there, we were just always playing music together, uh, recording at his house. So, yeah. Um, so whether it be end up on my thing or the War on Drugs, you know, it just depended. But, but did you you were sort of in? You were on the first War on Drugs record. I'm on the first War on Drugs record. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was you sort of went your separate ways in a way. Yeah, I mean, I as as glad I as I am that I was on the, that record yeah. and stuff. I Adam always knew I was obsessed with my own thing always. And yeah, in fact, and I, but yeah, so I, I got to go to Europe for the first time through with the them? war on drugs. So yeah, I, and I was like, I'm. I'm stoked to do this, but I you have to let me open. <laughs> so I, I mean, I open. You know, <laughs> you did. Yeah, but like, um, you know, I convinced Adam. You know, after he wasn't as busy with the war on drugs, he, yeah, I'm very grateful because he played on my Smoke Ring record and he toured and the Childish Prodigy, the first Matador record he he played on. Like that's all Violators. Yeah. You know, Adam, Jesse, my old drummer Mike Zhang. So anyway, like. I, I'm just grateful that I got Adam to continue to tour yeah. in the Violators yeah. a little longer because otherwise I don't know what I, I would have done. He was really, he was really in the he was it really uh, in in the pocket. He yeah. was really a pivotal member of the band and and helped you define yourself too. I guess probably yeah. I think we, yeah he, we both you know, helped each other out. And you guys still friends? De yeah, definitely. <laughs> Is he around Philly too? Still, I think he bought a place in Philly, but he's not there that often it's interesting there there are guys that play like the war on drugs too but you as well you know there are guys that play and and they never really find their own groove but you have your own thing you know like you listen to it and it's sort of like oh yes yeah, curvile there's no denying ever you know there's no question about it that's right <laughs> but it's a, but it's not easy it's a, you know what i mean it's a, it's not everybody has that well i'm i'm also lucky that imagine if well, it's not like you heard it, but I'm what? like, I'm I'm glad I had time to like figure it out because like, like that first constant hitmaker, there's tons of, I put out tons of CDRs before then and they're fine I and mean, there's moments on them, but like, uh, it took it took me a while. I didn't have anything come out on a real label till I was 28, 29, so I had the time to fine tune my sound and yeah. I'm, I'm almost think I was 
never going to make it or something, you know? Well, I mean, what do you, when you say CDRs, like how, well, let's, let me go back again just for a minute. That So you, when you get your first guitar and then you're, you're still hanging out at home and stuff, like how, how are you finding, you know, you're in the suburbs of Philly, but yeah, I mean, you're younger than me. What are you, like 39 or something? I'm 38. Yeah, I'll be 39 in January. So what, what kind of musical sources are you drawing from? Where are you getting your musical education? Well, you know what I mean. Not, I'm not talking about playing. I'm just talking about what informs your taste. I mean, I, I've always been pretty obsessive, so I got obsessed with most bands. You know, like, you know, I loved the, the Smashing Pumpkins. And yeah, I probably wrote them off later or something. You know, a little right. or something. Like, I'm like, no, this is the new sound. And not different classic things that my dad played, like Credence. Credence, I yeah. loved right away. Some things I loved right away. You know, H- Hendrix, I loved as a kid. I had yeah. those early CDs. Yeah, like I mean, my early CDs were like a collection of. Jimi Hendrix or something. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, once like all these sort of more indie rock type of bands, the good ones, like, yeah. uh, th- like you know, anywhere from Pavement, Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., uh, you know, and all, a lot of Drag City. Yeah. All, tons of the Drag City stuff. You like the Drag City stuff. Yeah. Palace Brothers, Silver Jews. I, work, I still, I mean, David Berman's definitely a hero. so great. He's so good. I've uh, have you I, hung out with him? I have. I've I've it's I've a lot, managed right? to pull him out. Yeah. It took me a few times to get through to him, and, and finally, I remember one day I, I called him while I was in uh, while I was in town for yeah. a gig, and in uh, and Nashville. Act- yeah, and he actually, I think that was the last te- test because I called him. He didn't answer, or maybe he even answered and hung up. But then he showed up at the gig. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I don't know what he's up to now. Uh, he's doing stuff. He's yeah. gonna, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna come back and break everybody's heart again yeah. yeah drag city yeah like do you like the the bonnie prince Billy yeah i stuff? loved i loved uh especially like palace i grew up on i, I yeah you know, I, yeah definitely i've i like the bonnie prince billy stuff too but i uh, i guess i'm nostalgic i was getting those seven inches and uh, yeah. the early records as they were coming out oh right but yeah i, I like all all versions of that yeah i and who else is on there joy callahan smunk yeah callahan yeah i mean sure i like i i love actually joanna newsom's Newest record. That record's incredible. I don't know if you've heard the last one or is it Divers? One? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that great. one's really good. Yeah, but I, I, she came a little later, so I didn't. That was that right, wasn't like right. my teens growing so, up on that stuff. So yeah. Drag City was the hip sort of like this is new shit, cutting edge shit. Like, yeah, but weird and accessible. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so that, you know, nobody was playing too hot, hot of licks that they were unreachable or something. Right, right, right. Seemed uh, like uh, hey, that sounds like the guy next door. Yeah, or like he's just playing <laughs> in his room. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, so it's impossible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's important to have that. So so that was sort of your template. Like, you know, I can do this and I can do it myself if I have to. Right. And <laughs> and I definitely, I had friends, good, I was friends, to this day, I'm really good friends with a, a group who, they had a band and uh, then their brothers, my, the, the, the youngest, my friend was Dan, yeah. you know, Dan Park, and then there's these two older Park brothers and they both... They would record his their brother's band, but then at different times. First, it was Bob, then it was Dave. They, yeah. would, they would record my stuff. So, yeah. like, at, you know, the whole home recording or semi studio recording, I was doing it pretty early. I yeah. wasn't doing it myself. I would record on a tape recorder in my room, but I was I was in the quote unquote studio. Yeah, yeah, right. Since I was a teen, right. And I'd put out a CDR and be like, call it my album. Yeah, you know, like, oh, my next album is gonna. <laughs> but it's not really an album. You <laughs> know? But what did you do with the CDRs? Like, how do you? I would, do you know, I would give them out. To people, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I became known, you know, as, as the, the CDR guy. Yeah, I, yeah, or like actually, no. The fr- I have one tape. Yeah, I, I was, you know, as a teen, I would play like this 
Marple Newtown Coffee House. And I, you know, I was the, I was like the star of that scene? stupid. <laughs> I actually wasn't stupid. I don't mean. Yeah, but it, it was the star of that scene. Yeah. yeah, like just you and your guitar. Yeah, with my tape. Yeah, more, more, more I meant to say with my <laughs> stupid tape. You know. <laughs> Your your album, your tape of your yeah, album. Yeah, my, my next album is going to be killer. <laughs> you still got any of those tapes? Who's got the tapes? Uh, yeah, I, I got them. On, uh, yeah? Did yeah. you go get like hundreds of them ran off? Yeah. Yeah, so you still got a box? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually still have a box of the uh, the covers and the... And the um, the cases because uh-huh. we accidentally got too many of those. Yeah, but it's so Phil, you have them. Yeah. It's so funny when you self uh, pr- when you self produce stuff. Man, I have. I th- yeah, you must have some tapes or CDs, some CDRs, some CDs that I made. Yeah, like in, like that I ordered from the guy. You know what I mean? Like you designed a cover. I didn't even get like the. I didn't even get the uh, gem box. You know, I just got the envelope. You know, yeah. like for the CD, yeah, and I put it, made a cover design that I couldn't even use, and there's like a few hundred of those in my storage space. Well, I, I threw w- them away. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Luckily, at the very end, yeah, like my last few CDRs, say seven of them, when I actually started. Okay, in 2003, I started just using my regular name, Kurt Vile. Yeah. And um. And and those, I have like a good handful of maybe seven different non-albums. Let's yeah. call them, but they're. They're pretty cool because I would go to Kinko's and get the nice hard paper and yeah. and, and print it out like a, like it's a vinyl. Then you fold it and you put it in the plastic thing, except it's a little CD. Yeah, and and it made them look really cool, like, right? Like a collage or whatever. Yeah, and I, I will say I don't know how kid. I guess they just use Bandcamp. It's just a different time, so maybe. But still, nowadays people just send you a link of their yeah. stuff, and I hate links. Yeah, uh, so it, it must. At least I could just hand people something, you know. No, it's nice. It was the tactile. It was a different time. You know what I mean? Like the, everything became part of the creative process. Yeah. Yeah, you know, as opposed to just like a link. I hate Here's links. A, yeah, I mean, like well, you know, like it, 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 when somebody hands you a tape where they made the cover and they packed it themselves, or even a record. Because I mean, you got records on the wall. You know, that's what people like. They like yeah. the record. All your records are nice. They usually they open them up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's stuff, good pictures, you know, <laughs> words and things, <laughs> you know, like it seems early on, on some of the really early stuff, there was a lot more psychedelic weirdness going on. Is um, that possible? In what, in what ones? Like the early like, ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's because like, think about it. I'm not, I'm no like a uh, professional recorder. Yeah. So like the weirder, the more effects you can put on something and uh, add some analog synth yeah. weirdness like the yeah. cooler it cooler it'll sound otherwise it's just like you know direct into some digital machine it's not going to sound very good right oh so you had to hide the fact that well you i doing... think that's part of the reason but that was also just into the psychedelic yeah the sound, sound. you want to you know, push the edge you know, get the Pu- yeah get the noise the get get the noise going yeah i still I'm, I'm i'm nostalgic about that i'm trying to get back to those Roots. Because it seems like you got pretty confident in terms of like how you produce your voice. Your voice is really sort of up front now and you can like, you know, hear it and you can hear the words and you talk and Yeah, that's true. There was definitely a lot of delay on the vocals in the old days. Right. You sound like you're in a some sort of a storage container. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the uh so once you when you when you when he stopped doing the the hands the the kind of homemade shit that um like What's the process of of recording now? Like you got guys that you've been with forever. Well, I have a bunch of guys that I like to work with. Yeah, um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever, who knows? I don't know if I'll find this producer ever again and be like, Which oh, guy? no, like, I'm just saying like, yeah. like j- just work with one person, like maybe, but I doubt, I, now I work with like a multiple people, uh, Rob, like Rob Schnapp is a guy I work with in LA. Yeah. And he, he, uh, I really like to work with him. He's like got a great ear and like. Some of my poppiest jams, like Pretty Pimpin' he did. and the, Some of my favorites on this record he did. Um, and then there's a guy on the East Coast, Peter Cadis. Uh, I recorded with him with the Violators. He did like Interpol and all that stuff. Obviously, we're nothing like that, but uh, he's got a, he's an engineer whiz as well. Yeah. He, he rescued my last record, uh, I did, believe what? I'm going down, because we ran out of time. We had to mix it. It was due, and uh, he he finished mixing like a ton of songs. And made them sound great in like just a few days. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so then on this record, we went back. I went back with the band and and uh, had him record some of the songs. And then yeah, because he's the, uh, he saved the songs. He's like this guy. Well, I was like, album. well, he saved the record. Maybe he can save the band. <laughs> <laughs> but turns out, you know, no one person can, can save sa- the band. Can save a band. <laughs> yeah. It takes a band to save a band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about like. Um, the the last album uh, or the one before believe i'm going down yeah you know like you know it's like sort of a blues trope yeah you know what i mean yeah so you're a blues guy well yeah i actually forget to mention the blues lately because i just anything i time i get into anything i get so deep into it that people ask me again and i yeah it's on my new trip but yeah like delta blues uh charlie patton charlie Mississippi patton. john hurt yeah um, that uh, lick that hurt does that little that little bend that uh yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, those those are the obvious ones, and there's tons. There's tons. Um, yeah, M- M- Fred McDowell. Yeah, love Oof. Fred McDowell. Um, Crazy. So, just, like, th- that's a recent one for you. That's recent stuff. Like, what? The, like getting into that. No, I got into that. Um, I got heavy into that. I'd say starting when I was in Boston, like in 2000, 2001. Um, it was only the forklift. Era. Yeah, but it was only an extension of. I made some cool friends out there in Boston, yeah. like who were actually going to college when I should be. Right. Except I was like the dude, the kind of shy, weird guy yeah. who would have to get up early and get, drive the forklift when he's hanging out with these college kids yeah. that, are, that are like smoking weed and like listening to Brian Eno. And uh, they turned me, this kid turned me on to John Fahey. You know, obviously he's, you know, John Fahey. Yeah. Like he's like a student of the people, like Charlie, he wrote a book about Charlie Patton in, yeah. in, in uh, college or whatever. But anyway, I, I remember I, I they, saw they went, that this went, kid had the American Folk Anthology, and I was like, oh, my dad has that. And my dad was playing, like, Bull Weevil and all that Bull stuff. Bull Weevil Blues. And, uh, yeah. and then I I just, I was like, oh, well, I guess it's cool, you know. To, yeah. It, and I grew up on, like, uh, Doc Watson and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But then my dad was... Bluegrass. Yeah. So then I remember I went home on a, a break, and I went to, like, the, blue, the Bluegrass Festival with my dad, and yeah. I bought all these... CDs, like all these blues, tons of blues CDs. I, yeah. I just got deep into all that stuff. It's good, right? Like, uh, like of course. Well, I mean, it, infor- it informs everything as well. Fahey, I think he and a couple other guys went and found Skip James. Yeah, yeah. There's, right? a, there's an uh, a doc, a chapter I, about that in his oh, yeah. book. Oh yeah, how how bluegrass music destroyed my life. Oh, is that what that? That's, that's the name of the Fahey the, book. The Fahey book. Yeah. Did you have a record store that you went to when you were a kid? I well. When I was a kid, I had a CD store. Yeah. At first, I went and, to CRCDs, but yeah, then I would go into town um, to get like seven inches. And w- once I realized that there was stuff you couldn't get, like like 
that wasn't on vi- the stuff on vinyl, yeah. you know, like exclusive right. stuff on vinyl. Like, yeah. So yeah, in the nineties, I would go into town and go to uh, Philadelphia Record Exchange. Oh yeah. Oh, is that a famous place? Uh, it's famous among, you know, you guys. It should be maybe it should be more famous, but right then it was on South Street and um, yeah, like people come like there's a the owner JC. Yeah. Yeah. He's from that band, the Strapping Field Hands. I don't know if you ever heard of him, them or or the Silt Breeze label, uh-huh. like all those early Dead Sea records. No, I don't know anything yeah, okay. about them. What kind of music? Seems like you. It's like weird, uh, lo-fi. Yeah. Well, the Dead Sea's from New Zealand. It's like a like a they're a flying nun band. Oh yeah, the flying nun. I got some of that stuff. That's that's pretty stuff. It's pretty noisy stuff. Really, some of the flying nun stuff. Oh, this pre- flying nun. I thought we were oh. still talking about the Dead Sea. Sorry, but you said that. But they're a flying nun band, or they're not. They were. Oh, oh, yeah. Too noisy for flying nun. They kicked them off. No, <laughs> they were. No. They yeah, were. but so so this guy had his own label, and he ran. Well, the place I got, and, I got another guy, Tom Lax. He, yeah. he had the Silt Breeze label, and he he worked at the record exchange yeah. at one point, or. All kinds of so uh, it's interesting though. So it's a place that had definitely it was a curated situation because you had guys with points of view about music, and it was like one of those classic record stores yeah. where you go in and they lay down some wisdom, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. And you're like, oh, you know, yeah. I found like all the early drag city pavement, yeah, uh, EPs before it was too hard to find them or something. Oh, he had them. They had them down they there. They had them there. Yeah, so like it's always good to like. So you're like 20 when you're going in there, 18, 18, so you're 17, like, 18. A young mind, yeah. these old young bitter, suburban mind. These young, these old bitter record guys with their labels, yeah, dumping stuff in your head. Yeah, like I don't, I, 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 I mean, like, like how's this record? You know, young and impressionable. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you know, like, yeah, they yeah. shoot you right down. Yeah, yeah. No, but not as good as the first one, which you can't get anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're cool. I, I still know that I still go see them to this day. Yeah. Yeah, great guys. What do you think that w- you learned the most uh, like what do you think really blew your mind uh, like from those guys? Like what it, what changed your thinking like in dealing with the cuz I'm always curious about the dudes that turn people on to things. Like I know who my guys are. Well, were. I'll tell you later on. Yeah. Um the one guy they call Harmonica Dan cuz he's always jamming harmonica with different sets like um in fact, were you ever into Jack Rose, by the way, speaking to John Fahey? He's Jack a, Rose. He passed away, but he was an incredible guitar player. He I don't caught know. the John Fahey torch. He's from Philly. Oh, anyway, yeah? Okay. Great. You should, yeah, you got you it. I'll write that down, too. Um, But anyway, one time he, this is after they knew who I was. and Yeah. You know? Yeah. He just, he gave me a Randy Newman record. He was oh. like, this, I got that, I put that aside for you. And I was like, really? Randy Newman? Mm-hmm. And uh, which one? It was the one with short people, and I was, that's all I knew. I was like, short people, but little criminals. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then you know, Baltimore. That song blew my mind. And then uh, and, you know, a little later, I got uh, Sail Away, oh, and it just destroyed me. And that, and 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 t- I would burn these things on the CDR, you know, yeah. sp- and just take them on the road with me. And uh, you know, when you realize that song, Sail Away, which is it's about you know getting sla- you know slavery like yeah. you don't even realize it you're just like uh i don't know like his his lyrics he'll destroy you you know destroy i interviewed him it was one of the best days of my life that's amazing oh i love the guy good old boys the best he's like yes baby i've been drinking that's the best song in the world it he just, just it just comes down to he's like you know i can't stand myself yeah it takes a whole lot of medicine for me to pretend Stand-up. that i'm somebody else the best dude 
That's like I, I just got chills. That song kills me, man. I you know I met him and we interviewed. I'm a huge fan, so I interviewed him. And then like you know I, I told I, I told him I wanted to hang out sometime. So so we went to this event where he was playing, and I ended up emceeing it. But it was for Flea. It's a long story. It's at Flea's conservatory, uh-huh. uh, where you know he has a school that teach kids, and and it's a fundraiser. And Randy Newman was headlining. And and I asked him to play Guilty, and he fucking played it. Oh, man. What a tight song, though, right? Yeah, and I did a cover of one of his later songs. Which uh, one? Pretty Boy. Oh. It's like from the album where he's mocking Kiss on the cover. Yeah, yeah, money. Like, the money. We got a tough guy here. We got a tough guy from the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like... Looks just like that dancing wop from those movies that we've seen. You know that one? No. He's like, with his cute little chicken shit boots on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just, yeah. oh man, he ripped. That, what's that album called? Born Again or something? Or yeah. so, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, I wonder if I have that one. I'm real hung up on the first four records. Well, you yeah. got, that one's got, and, and I heard from somebody who. It's got, it's money that I love, right? Is on there. It's money that I yeah, love. It's yeah, it's money that I love. Yeah. Or how, yeah, yeah, or like, hey, little sheep. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Something about little sheep. He's cutting, man. Such yeah. a sweet guy. Very self-effacing. Very you know, yeah, like hard. On I himself. I saw him once, and I, I've been a fan forever. And I we played uh, Harley Stru- Strictly Bluegrass Festival, the same stage. Yeah. And I just didn't even talk to him because I just saw him there, and I I didn't know what to say. I, I it was like I I loved them so much that for once I couldn't even where do you start same with like Neil Young yeah like I, I meet him multiple times just for a second but like how's he gonna know yeah how can you how can you hold his attention you know so you didn't say anything to Neil either no I've said things to Neil many every time you said things to him oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I have to. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see you guys talking to each other. He's kind of a, got an odd frequency too. Yeah, I listened yeah. to your show. Yeah, that's, that's something, man. I didn't know how that was going to go. Uh, I, yeah, I I've gotten a couple a couple funny interactions with him. Yeah, yeah. What happened? Well, the one time I met him, the first time was just cool. Yeah. So I, I'll I'll blow through that. Yeah. But then the second time, wasn't that long ago? I. He played. Uh, it was the first time I saw him with the Promise of the Real, and it was incredible, and uh, it blew my mind. Like they back him up so good, and I managed to get backstage because because I got on the list by like his day to day manager, yeah, Frank. Okay, because Frank he manages Hope Sandoval from uh-huh. Mazzy Star, and I they got me to sing with the, with her on a yeah. song. So anyway, that was my connect. But I still had to like. I still had to like reach out and see if it would happen, and it happened that he got me on the list. And yeah. then he, he's like, "Oh, I love to meet or something." I was like, "Oh, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen." Uh, so, but then when it did finally happen, he, I, he just said hello for a minute after the show, and the show blew my mind. For, it was incredible. Like they played down by the river for thirty minutes, and it was just unreal. Yeah. He, he would like, he would start, he would start like as if he's going to the last verse after space jam after space jam and he would just come in and be like be on my side wow and then and then he wouldn't sing the rest of it you know he just go into space again yeah fucking with your mind yeah but anyway so finally get back there and frank is thank thank god for frank what a great guy but still i don't know him that well he just he's like all right well thank you it's great to meet you thank you for singing with hope well we have a quick out we have to leave but it was nice to meet you so of course my heart sinks yeah. i thought i was like it's gonna happen i'm gonna beat neil and blah 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 um 
and I'm with my wife, Suzanne, and, uh, and th- then we get back there, and I don't know, he just he's sitting there, so I finally get, Frank says, oh, he meets, he introduced me to the young guys, the Nelson guys that back yeah, him up. Sure. And, and um Willie's kids. Yeah, Willie's kids. Yeah. So, so Neil is finally there, but nobody ever troubles Neil with anything, you know? So Suzanne just had to basically nudge me she's like just say something to yeah. him just say hi yeah and i was like how oh, neil uh i've seen i've seen you a million times i'm, I'm friends with gary uh I, I gotta say tonight was the best by far uh down by the river was it was like you were in outer space but underground at the same time and, and he smiled at first and then he was like he just looked at me he's like oh yeah we can go in outer space whenever we want <laughs> <laughs> I actually told that show, told that on the best show when it happened because Tom Sharpling was there. Yeah, so we summed it up. But anyway, and then yeah, and then Suzanne was like, "Ask, get a picture. Ask for a picture." And I didn't want to because I was like, I heard he doesn't do pictures. And I was like, "Oh, can I get a picture?" He's like, "Sure." Oh, <laughs> so I got a picture. But anyway, so then I met him a few times since then. I'm always like, it's always be- behind a stage. I'm always drunk. I always. And I get like a little cynical because I'm always saying the same thing. I'm like, ah, oh, Kurt, I met before uh, friends, Gary. Yeah. I always want to tell them about this band. You ever see this band, the Sadies? No. They're an incredible live band. They're a, they're legends. Yeah. They're friends with Neil. Like, uh, the they're two brothers. They shred. You got to see them live. They're like country infused rock, psychedelic yeah. rock. And um, so I always mean to tell Neil because I know he likes to say this. I'm always like I mean to say I'm friends with the Sadies, but I always forget. But then the last time we we opened for Neil, um, just recently in Quebec, like not a couple weeks ago even. Oh yeah, and it was like for this big festival, so there's like ninety thousand people there. It's just us and Neil, and uh, oh, that must have been great. It was great. I I definitely clammed up. Yeah, on stage. Yeah, I clammed up. I yeah. never played for a crowd that big. Like I entered, I started with that song Wheelhouse, and yeah. I. Um, which is a favorite song, but uh, I, I just like flubbed one of the notes, and then I put me in. I lost it, you know. I t- but anyway, so Neil, he fucked get, you up for the whole set. Uh, most of it. Yeah. So I just stood there. Okay. I mean, I played, but I stood there. But anyway, um, Neil, they played an amazing set as usual, and and we got to watch it from side stage, and then, <laughs> and then we were on the one side of the stage, and uh. And the other side of the stage is where they would get on and off. And, yeah. I, and so during the encore, and I I mean, I know a lot of the guys now. I know the promise of the real guys. They've, I've played with them at, at Willie's Ranch. So I'm buddies a, a little bit with plenty of them, but not, you know, not Neil. But so anyway, they go off for the encore and they're all passing around this joint. Yeah. And then I, I ran with my wife and we, we got the joint and we started smoking it. So we're like, and Neil, Neil hit it. But, uh, <laughs> So we're smoking that joint, and then finally the same thing sort of happens. They all come off the stage. I'm hugging like Lucas and everybody, and they're like, "Great show!" But, but Neil has this orb around him. You're like, you can't, you, yeah, you know, yeah, we can't, you can't get like uh, Daryl Han is there with a giant lollipop, like hugging <laughs> Neil. Everybody's like around Neil's, and so they're going down the exit in the back like a zigzag, you know. Yeah. And every he gets a little further away every time, and finally, because we're like a little stoned, I'm like, well. I, I just won't talk to him, you know, because, and then, and then she's like, well, just, just, I was like, I just wanted to give him this Sadie CD, and then, and then she's like, well, just jump down and give it to him, because it's the last level. We were like on this level, and they're down there right. before he gets in the, on the bus, so then I jumped down, 
And I was like, hey, Neil. <laughs> I was like, hey, Neil, you hear the new Sadie's? And I knew he knew him, but the way I did it, because we were stoned, it looked like this dude came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And it was like Elliot Roberts literally held up his elbow like like to block me. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, like, hey, wow. I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so, I don't know. That, <laughs> did he, did he, <laughs> and then I gave him the CD, and then, I don't know. Yeah. That, that's basically the story. Was he into it? Or you don't well, know? He, he, he was looking at it there as friends, but like everybody was blocked. They did. I just came out of nowhere. I understand, but even I talked to Elliot. He's obviously a legend too. And I was like, he Elliot, Elliot out. I was like, Elliot. But I didn't even see that he blocked me with his arm. So Suzanne watched. She was all okay. up on the top level laughing. Yeah. Like la- we were all stoned on their weed and they're just laughing. And he, this old dude's like holding up the elbow like they're gonna block me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Elliot was like, Oh, he's like. He looked all confused because then when we realized it was me, he's like, oh, Kurt, what the... T-? And then and he's like, just give it to me. He's not going to listen to it anyway or something like that, uh, which is not true because yeah. he didn't know it was the Sadie's. But then I said to Elliot, I was like, Elliot, I I just... I, I'm Kurt. I opened... I, I just wanted to... And he's like, the Sadie's, I know. It's <laughs> 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 like, uh, yeah. he's like, he, he just, we just didn't know who you were. Right, we did, right. We, he, just, he didn't know who you were. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's kind of the always sort of... It, maybe it's not the, the thing. Maybe most people just talk to somebody like a normal person. It's always awkward. But... It's he, always awkward, especially when you have reverence for somebody. Oh, it's my just, God. The, the, I think they're all... It's such an honor to have been able to get near and see so many shows and... And I just feel like they're like, oh, Kurt, you know, yeah, we know Kurt. He's a good kid, but you got to watch him. <laughs> he might ch- steal your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> He'll jump out of nowhere and scare you. <laughs> you got to watch him. <laughs> he's trying to he's what, trying to talk to Neil. <laughs> here he comes again. The kid's here. Yeah. Well, even when, even like when I talk to McCartney, like you get into the zone with it and you have the moment. But then when it's over, you're like, I'm just like one of those guys. You know, I'm one of those Wait, guys. But you're not. That's the thing, right? But you're also not. Like, but you like, want I'm him just, to know. You want them to know. You want them to know. How many people have opened for Neil Young? Like, you know, from the beginning of time. You yeah. know, like, you, you know, like, in my mind, it's like, I'm another guy who interviewed McCartney. Was it amazing for me? Am I grateful? Yes. Is it a different format? Yes. Is what I do different than other people? Sure. But in his life, you know what yeah. I mean? You, like, I don't know. What, you, you want to make an impression, but who knows if you do, really? So he's a well. That's why he's so great. Is because he uh, who Neil? Yeah, he won't let. Yeah, well, yeah. Paul McCartney's great too, obviously. Yeah. But I, I'm like I'm, I'm, just like Neil. He'll he just won't be bothered. He'll just focus on his thing, and it's, it's t- nothing personal. And in, in fact, one day, no, he'll, exactly. He'll just talk. Yeah, I mean, he was real cool on your show. I like. Yeah, that. It, I like once, that show. once I once I sort of got through the gauntlet, mm-hmm. you know, he was really cool. Yeah. But like he he definitely tests people, and he definitely is gonna you know make you work for it for a minute. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> but he's like an amazing artist. So wait, let's talk about this new record before we we space it out. So oh, but I also wanted to ask you about the John Cale thing. That was at the end of the Courtney. I I did this record with Courtney Barnett recently, yeah. and we did one tour. But uh, at the very end of it, I ended up at um last minute got invited to play this John Cale. Velvet Underground, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it? Anniversary. Yeah, and it was that was awesome. He's a, he's a trip. Yeah, I well, I sat in on Big White Cloud and on guitar, and I got to sing sing and play run, on Run Run Run. Oh, that's a great song. And uh, are you yeah. a Velvet guy? 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's that's just sort of like the when you uh, the basics. That's sort of yeah, but that's also like when you're like oh, you're a blues guy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, of course I'm a Velvet Underground <laughs> fan, but I like consumed that in my teens. You know, sure. I, but it's still, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I still listen to it. So the new record, like in in terms of like how you approached it, was it any different than the last one in in terms of production and stuff? What what are the big changes for you on this one? What what made um, you go I like I'm doing this different? The basically the biggest difference is that um, I would record in between tours or trips, like yeah. just in, in normal life, like go record for a couple of days here yeah. and then keep going as opposed to like do some long album tour and start an album from scratch. Yeah. Uh, after all the touring is done, I can't stomach that anymore. It makes me want to vomit. So I just kind of like live it. Yeah. You know, I just go in and out of the studio, like while you're in route, like play a show yeah. and then you're in California or, and then you you know, just go into the studio and stay. Don't stay in as long for a week. Don't yeah, like knock out a couple the whole days. record. Yeah, uh, a couple songs at a time. Yeah, or even a song. But yeah. that, you know, so you got like a sort of travelogue of it's just kind of just real life. You know, oh, so that's where I'm at. I kind of so it unfolded in sort of a real life way. Like each song, there was times between each. Yeah, song and there's plenty of songs work. left over. Like yeah. I got, I've just kind of been recording the whole time. I've been on the road for the last record really uh-huh. made made that courtney record with courtney of i just made several records yeah within I, i've been recording kind of the whole time i made that courtney record so this like in other words the difference was you, you know you're sort of outliving life and you drop into the studio do a song maybe two songs and it was sort of like were the songs being written when you came back to record one was it did you already have it in the pocket or you're uh, sort a of lot like of ta- a lot of times i'll get inspired i have certain songs in the pocket for sure that i yeah. know i want to record but a lot of times when I have a studio date coming up, I'll get inspired and write more songs. The, right. The newer the song in the studio, the better. Well, it's a great record. It sounds like a Curve Vile record, and it's like I thought it was great. Oh, I enjoy thanks, listening to him. I, I like it. You brought up the zone. It seems like you're very good at getting in the zone. That you get, you create a, an atmosphere with your music, and and it, it's like it, it's it's relaxing and it's sort of ethereal. Oh, thanks, man. Is that what you're shooting for? I guess. It depends. Well, it doesn't make me anxious, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> I know, I can I can feel anxious. I got certain songs that are real chill, but they're about, like, being terrified on the airplane. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm on the way to the studio, and I sort of think I'm going to die, so I write down these lyrics, and then all of a sudden it's like, stop this plane, because I want to get off. <laughs> but um, yeah. but uh, I will say about the John Cale thing, one yeah. of my... The, the very last song, which is really long, it's called Skinny Mini, but there's, like, insane guitar solos. I did... I wrote those lyrics... Um while I was backstage waiting to go on for the uh, John Cale. Yeah. I, I don't know. So that's sort of another example of just kind of... Like how just you do, do it. Just do it all, do it all or just oh. kind of live it, you know. On the very last Courtney, KV Courtney Barnett show in, in Austin, we had one last sound check and I made, I had this guitar jam and then I just put it right into my looper, you yeah. know, and it stores loops and then, yeah. and the, and then I went straight there from there to John Cale and then it was just inspiring atmosphere I had my own backstage room and so I started playing the loop and then I heard the song in my head and then a few days later I was supposed to go into the studio again yeah. so then I had this jam you know yeah. right so, so that's what it did yeah that's, that's what, what we that's, started with oh yeah. that's it's so that's right so it, it's it's probably a better way to work really to stay open through the whole process yeah. just by living life yeah totally and and it's not like I was like this is my theory like, yeah. this is no your, right it's just, it just that's just the way it is <laughs> you know this is my theory yeah. I'm going to <laughs> yeah I'm going to tour right doing go in the studio for one song <laughs> and then tour <laughs> and then do a John Cale event and, and perhaps backstage be- I will write the lyrics <laughs> <laughs> it worked though it worked <laughs> maybe it'll be your system 
It's good mm-hmm. talking to you, man. Okay. You good? Yeah, if you are. <laughs> I am. Okay, good. That was cool, man. He's a he's an interesting dude. He left his hat here. I had to send it back to him. What was that hat? I think it was a Waylon Jennings hat, in, in my recollection. It seemed important. Because if you have something as specific as a Waylon Jennings hat, you're going to want that hat back. I got it back to him. Uh, Kurt's new record, Bottle In, comes out this Friday, October 12th. You can get it wherever you get music. Don't forget to grab yourself a paperback copy of our book, Waiting for the Punch. It's out next Tuesday, October 16th. But you can pre-order your copy now at markmarinbook.com. Okay? You can do that. Okay? Or click on the book link at wtfpod.com. Right? You got it? No more waiting for Waiting for the Punch. I've been getting a lot of feedback for this echo pedal that Tall Wilkenfeld gave me. Everything is not okay, but it might be okay with you if you look around your life and your loved ones. It might be okay. That's the micro. Keep the macro in mind. All right? Vote it up.